Fan Ramen. Who's hungry? It's Welcome to Fan Ramen. The official podcast of Black Ramen. We're a band who writes epic music for film and video games. And we're here to read your fan fiction. I'm Lindy. Konnichiwa. I'm Ralph. Wasabi. Behind the board is our awesome sound guy. And Major D. The, the Wizard. Heaven. Heaven. Song for Lost Souls is a crossover written by Kermode Snowbear. Sweet. What kind of crossover? Is it Adam's family and Matilda? It's a... Yes, how did you know that? Because I read the script. I actually read these things ahead of time. Wow, I never thought you did. Yeah, watch. I'll do the rest of the intro. This fic is hosted at an archive of our own.org. Search for Kermode Snow Bear, which is spelled K E R M O D E S N O W B E A R to find this story. This fic won Best Overall Story at Macon in Australia, so it's definitely worth checking out her other works. Ralph, you came prepared. Want to be the narrator this time? You bet. I even practiced because I read the script ahead of time. The black parasol was dipped and folded as its owner stepped inside out of the obnoxious sunlight. She peered around the thin store that reached deep into the block it sat on, at the shelves of the books that towered above her, and toward the thinly framed creature who wobbled on a precariously placed ladder. Excuse me. Wednesday announced her presence, and the woman startled from her work. She turned, a hand poised against the books she'd just replaced. Hello. The store owner greeted before she slid down the ladder rails and approached the customer. How can I help you? I need a book, Wednesday said. And no, I do not wish to spend never-ending hours sifting through the inaccuracies and grossly imagined fabrications that the human race has turned the internet into. The store owner blinked twice before a kind smile found her lips. She stepped around Wednesday and toward the checkout, which doubled as a desk, piled high with volumes. In the name of this study? She asked as she held the pen over paper. Carmina in Anibus Pereant. Wednesday offered with a perfectly trained accent. The bookkeep wrote swiftly both the Latin and the English names, Wednesday noted. I'll put my feelers out. The brunette woman replied, the smile still lighting up her features. You have antenna? Wednesday excitedly asked. There was barely a brow raised, yet her tone rose by half a note. Oh, no, that's a colloquialism. It's a common phrase of speech. The gothic woman visibly deflated. But she should have known better. Normals were simply too far spread in the world that it was hard to find anyone of interest. Of course, she replied with a sullen disposition. I'll let you know should someone with such stops by, the woman promised. Wednesday lifted her gaze back up and her lips curled. I'd appreciate that. Interesting folk don't make themselves easily noticed. The brunette paused her speech for half a moment. Can I have your cell number? Why would you want it? Wednesday asked. So I can text you when your book arrives. Mm, we have a problem there. I don't carry a phone with me. I have a butler to take my messages, though. You can call the house. A moment was taken to scribble down the strangely long phone number, and the store owner then plucked a business card from her desk. 
Perhaps, given time, you might find me interesting, she suggested as she offered the card to Wednesday. Or you don't have to. That's your prerogative. Wednesday's eyes darted to the card she now held in her black lacquered fingers. Wormwood, she mused aloud. What a lovely name. I inherited it, so I can't take all the credit. The woman Wednesday now knew as Matilda laughed. Wednesday only showed her appreciation for the joke with a tiny, brief twerk of her lips. Where most people would take her reaction as awkward and stifling, Matilda only continued to smile. Wormwood, Wednesday hummed. Uses include quelling stomach pains, excellent for gallbladder, and possibly linked to treating liver disease. It's also used to increase sexual desire. Her gaze flickered up and down Matilda's form pointedly. She wasn't expecting the woman's response. And with enough time and treated correctly, can be brewed into an intoxicating beverage. Side effects include dizzying hallucinations and an all-around amazing experience. You should try it. You or the absinthe? That's up to your own volition, Matilda replied. This time, Wednesday smiled, haunting as the expression was. As normal as this woman had first appeared, Matilda was quickly becoming fascinating to the Adams' spawn. Suppose I say yes, Wednesday started, earning a larger grin from the brunette. And you quickly find that my melodramatic personality is too much to endure. You yourself become drenched in my dejected aura so much that another day on this wretched earth would be beyond harrowing. You become so loathing of everything, including yourself, that you couldn't bear to take another step in any direction but that of your own grave, despite knowing that even there you cannot escape me. What then? Matilda, eyes wide open with emotion from listening to the pure poetry spilling from Wednesday's lips, didn't miss a beat. I've experienced worse. You should know my last bedfellow angered me so that I chained him to his own bed. Then tell me what he did wrong so I might learn from it. Wednesday studied Matilda's expression for a very long moment. There was simply something different about the woman, something alluring and enchanting, something Wednesday hadn't come across before. Past lovers were usually fleeting and frequent. She had never found one worth keeping. They either couldn't appreciate her as she was or were too easily walked all over. Wednesday liked to partner with... with tenacity. You have my number, she said, instead of answering the posted question. She turned on her heel so Matilda wouldn't see her smile wider. She made her way for the door. Ask for Wednesday. You know, we should have released this episode on a Wednesday. You must like irony. Well, the definition of irony is implying the opposite of an expectation. So releasing this episode on a Wednesday would be the opposite of irony. Oh, so that's... Mm, logic. Okay, then I stand corrected. You must like logic. You'll see, that's where you're wrong. <laughs> okay, so then you like irony. I like ironing. And I like cats. That's what I like, cats. Our next fic has a little backstory. This is a Harry Potter and Avengers fic. Cool part is this. In this alternate universe, Harry Potter and Tony Stark are related. 
They grew up in the same household together as brothers, even though they're not technically brothers. You'll have to read the fic to find out how the family tree actually works. There were unintentional pregnancies, there were secret families, the whole thing's kind of fun. This fic is called Fault Lines, which you can find on fanfiction.net. Search for author Nigi, spelled N-Y-G-I. Or check out our YouTube or Facebook page, and we'll have the link for you. I just have one question. Shoot. Okay, in this universe, this means that Harry was raised in New York. Does that mean he has an American accent? Mm, you know, even if that's true, I can't imagine Harry with a New York accent. We'll defy all logic and keep his accent. But technically, that's irony. When the briefing room door closed behind Steve Rogers, Tony stayed behind in his seat. His olive branch had failed spectacularly. That's what he got for trying. Steve thought he was right. That much was obvious to Tony, but he couldn't, for the life of him, figure out just how Steve had arrived at that particular conclusion. He, after all, should understand the danger of powerful people without oversight. His judgment was clouded by grief for Peggy Carter and survivor's guilt concerning Barnes. Given some time, he would come around to his senses. And so would the others, who were just following the lead of their captain. Tony just hoped that until then, he would be able to protect them. All of them. Tony heard the door open behind him, feeling a sudden rush of relief. Steve came to his senses, he thought, and turned around expectantly. It was not Steve. In fact, it was quite possibly the last person Tony expected to see in Berlin that day. Harry? Tony got up and took a step towards his little brother, reflexively expecting a hug, but Harry stood tall and rigid, his face unmoving. Tony let his eyes wander over Harry with the deeply ingrained concern of a much older sibling. When Harry was in what Tony liked to call his CEO persona... Harry's expansive black suit didn't have a single crease. Magic, Tony was sure. And his black hair and short beard were as well-styled as ever. Tony? Harry simply stated, much of the warmth Tony normally associated with him missing from his voice. It's like talking to an angsty teenager again, Tony thought. But there was a deep coil of foreboding threatening his ability to breathe. What are you doing down here? I was having a drink with Sam when he saw the news about Vienna. We went to get Steve. I had to take the kids back to school first, and then we came here. Several aspects of this really did worry Tony, but he went with the most pressing thing first. Why weren't the kids in school? Is something wrong? We got a couple of days off to go to Aunt Peggy's funeral. Harry's voice was so sharp, Tony was halfway convinced it could actually cut him. They sat with Sam for a bit because Steve and I were pallbearers. Tony flinched. Peggy's funeral. He had thought about going, should have gone, really. He just couldn't bring himself to. Not right now. And you? You forgot? His brother asked, his voice normally so calm, rising dangerously. No, no, no of course I didn't forget. Tony hurriedly explained. I just didn't have say that time. I swear I'm going to bloody punch you. Tony stared at him in shock. Harry had pretty much stopped both shouting and cursing when he became a father. In fact, 
Tony and Rodney had often teased him about his need to be a good role model. But right now, the younger Stark looked much more like his teenage self, ready to tear the head off everyone asking him how his day went. So Tony went to his default setting, confrontation. Do you even know what's going on around here? What we're dealing with right now? Actually, I do. But what I don't know is how you could not find the time to come to London. Steve did, Sam did, and he didn't even know her. Aunt Peggy, Aunt Peggy, Tony. Dad's best friend, the woman that stood with us over Mom and Dad's grave and took us home with her over Christmas. But no, of course, you had better things to do. With what happened in Lagos, they were talking about prosecuting Wanda. The UN got involved and Captain freaking America refuses to sign the one thing that could actually get us out of this mess. In his partially guilt-feud anger, Tony pushed the Accords in Harry's arms. Harry stared at the Accords before wordlessly opening them and thumped through them, his emerald green eyes narrowing behind hexagonal glasses. You signed this? He asked, after what felt like a lifetime to Tony. Of course I did. Tony huffed. It's the only option. Sam told me about how they want the adventures to be regulated, but this... Tony, this has enhanced individuals. Of course it does. There are very powerful people out there that... You mean like me? But again, Harry cut him off. What? No, 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 no. This is not what this is about. And besides, no one actually knows about your powers. They still think what happened in New York was due to the tech I developed. That's not the point. The anger was back in Harry's voice now. That includes almost everyone I know, like my children. This is about potentially dangerous individuals. They cannot be left simply running around. Tony was getting really angry now. What? You signed this. You work for them now. Will you tell them everything? Will you register my kids? Because I am sure Lily and her current obsession with purple are a real threat. Be fair, though, Harry. In a couple of years, she will be just as capable of killing someone with a flick of her wrist as you are. Tony was so distracted by the sudden realization of how he was talking about his niece that he didn't even see his brother's fist before it violently connected with his face, causing him very suddenly to sit down, very ungraciously, while staring up at Harry in horror. He might have thought his brother looked like hitting him earlier, but for him to actually do it? Harry had gone white in anger. His fists were clenching and unclenching rapidly. I must not tell lies. The door was pushed open again, Steve, Sharon, and Sam hurrying inside. They had obviously seen the confrontation from outside. Steve put a hand on Harry's shoulder, as if to calm him down, but no one was actually saying anything. I have seen this before, as you hopefully remember, people having to register for how or whom they were born. Persecuted for their very existence, I lost friends, family to this kind of thinking. And if you stand there and tell me that it's the only option, do you even see yourself? Dad was so ashamed for so long about the things he did during the war. And if you'd ever actually listened to him instead of being angry all the time, you would have known that was also the reason he looked for Steve so determinedly. And now here you are, supporting registration and persecution if they do not comply. You built Ultron. You even built the engine systems for the inside carriers that could have killed millions. When exactly will you realize that you are part of the problem? Tony was staring at his little brother in horror. Harry, who used to follow him around like a puppy. Harry, 
who had come and found him in Afghanistan. Harry, who had agreed to become CEO so Tony could focus on inventing. Harry, who always had his back. Harry. Steve tried carefully, his hand still firmly on the other man's shoulder. Harry turned towards him, his eyes still blazing and barely contained anger. It was exactly that very unfortunate moment, with Tony still frozen on the floor, that Ross entered the room and tried to assess the situation in front of him. Mr. Stark the Younger, I assume. How the hell did you get in here? Harry finally turned away from Tony and towards Ross, shaking Steve's hand in the process. Tony couldn't see how exactly Harry was looking at Ross, but even he seemed rattled by the deafening, silent treatment. When Ross opened his mouth again to add something, there was a trademark, loud crack, and Harry vanished without a trace. Ross gaped like a fish, but the others did not seem surprised at all. Ladies and gentlemen, Harry James Stark has left the building. Sam deadpanned. Thanks for tuning in. I am great. Send your submissions and your questions to fanramenpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. You can find us on SoundCloud, YouTube, or your podcast app. I am Lindy. I am Groot. And we'll see you the next time you are hungry. I am Groot. Podcast produced by Lindy Day and Ralph Avalon. Sound design and engineering by Kevin Villagestone. Music by Black Ramen. Recorded and mixed in the Black Ramen Studios. <laughs>